0: What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, at managing editor, fightful.com, fightfulmma.com. Head over there, get all your free MMA news, exclusives, photos, videos, podcasts, all that good stuff. We have live coverage of UFC 228 this weekend. I will be doing a live post show. And of course, we have UFC 229 coming up right around the corner. Habib Nurmagomedov, Conor McGregor. We got UFC 228 this week. We got some news to talk about. We're at a new time. 2 p.m. Eastern. You know, Joe's on the Brock Lesnar schedule as is. (laughs) (laughs) Then we got to accommodate him. But a new time for the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. If you guys don't mind, tweet out the link, share it. If you enjoy the show, just post it on Twitter and say, hey, I like this about the show. We're joined by James Lynch, our MMA insider, speaks to dozens of fighters every month including several fighters on this show uh, james how you doing i'm doing well guys good to good to be here after a nice long weekend also the reason that i am in beautiful 4k right now jay or james <laughs> I, I i oh the webcam you got I, it Next. I, yeah i took your advice i got it now i can have people that uh, on me and J- uh, jimmy van show they can stop bitching and say oh jimmy van needs to pony up and buy shot a better webcam because when I was in Toronto, I looked. Me and Jimmy had the same webcam. The same exact <laughs> webcam. It was just the software it ran through. Also joined by Showdown Joe. Joe, run down your accolades. Pat
1: yourself on the back. Uh, okay. Uh, first things first, I want to thank Sean Rossap, Jimmy Van, James Lynch for accommodating my Brock Lesnar schedule for a 2 p.m. <laughs> start time uh, on Tuesday solely for the fact that my son gets out of school now at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, so I sort of have to be there to pick him up, so if we did do the 3 to 4, 3 to 4.30 podcast, uh, that little 7, 8-year-old uh, would be alone and likely getting himself in massive amounts of trouble, so I thank you guys. In terms of my accolades, uh, I don't know if you can see all the different various events I've been covering since the past, uh, what, 20, I don't know, here, I'll move my, uh, just look up here, that's just a bit of them, but uh, yeah, 20 plus years in the industry, go back to The very first UFC in 1993, then got into the broadcast and sponsoring realm in 1996. Took it from there, and then um, got onto mainstream television with Sportsnet, where James Lynch knows uh, pretty much a lot of that company as well. Uh, And just play-by-play, all over the world, Titan FC, Ryzen. has got a sick card coming up. Uh, I gotta say, we
0: are the only MMA podcast to air on a Tuesday at 2 p.m. in the afternoon with three guys verified on Twitter. The only, the only... (laughs) (laughs) Just just a few bros with blue check marks hanging out we got ufc 228 to talk about but before we get into that there was some news this week it is the 28th season of the ultimate fighter which dana white claims claims will continue i admittedly as a guy who covers this for a living had no clue that this season had started
1: joe are you watching No, because my podcast or my podcast, my PBR is not recording them. And I don't I think James probably knows why, With the station that's sort of housing it. You just never know what's going to be on. But uh, I do want to watch it because, number one, we got to watch the fights. Number two, I'm all about building characters. I'm all about building it. But the the amount of love that I have lost for the ultimate fighter, um, it's I I hate to say that it's stale, uh, but it's done. I think it's time has come and gone. I get it. It's the last one for the Fox deal. I don't believe they're doing it for ESPN. Oh, come I on. Anderson it, but... Silva's on this season. Anderson does Silva. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> does Silva. Yeah, you had me there for a second. But yeah, I mean, it's look. I'll tune in. I'll get it. I'll watch it. But other than that, yeah. There are uh, heavyweights
0: and women's featherweights. And James, the reason why, well, quite frankly, heavyweights aren't often put on season of The Ultimate Fighters because – UFC likes to gobble up any prospects in that division that they really can and just employ them in in their active heavyweight division. However, uh, we did see Maurice Green pick up a a first-round knockout, and there will likely be quite a few of those on the Ultimate Fighter. What's your interest level in this season? You also have women's featherweights, which, again, you would assume UFC would just snag up because, quite frankly, there aren't many of them.
2: I'm in the minority here. I actually am into this season because, uh, you know, I know some of the fighters uh, that, that were heading into the into the uh, competition. And then also just with the fact that um, it's a little bit intriguing just with the fact that it's women's featherweights. Now, I know they're not true featherweights. A lot of them, um, you know, they're not uh, women that primarily compete at featherweight. They're bantamweights usually that don't want to have to, uh, well, they're moving up a weight class because the real featherweights don't want to cut that much weight during the competition. I, I'm a little bit more interested than most. I will try and watch every episode. I didn't watch it live the night of, as Joe mentioned, you know, it's tough here in canada figuring out what channel what time you know it's it's not as easy as you would think so i tend to i uh, usually watch it at a later time plus like wednesday at 10 is just not not doesn't jive for me yeah. with a kid you know it's tough but uh, I, did, I did happen to catch the first episode, and I like it. You know, I like the way they're really um, focusing on the storylines of the of the people on the show and doing the home video stuff. They did a really good job with Maurice Green, uh, who I actually knew before the show because uh, I interviewed him when he fought for Glory, and then of course he fought for LFA earlier this year against uh, Jeff Hughes. So they you know most been a little bit well known uh, heading into the into the car, into the show. And I don't know. I'm, I'm and there's a lot of fighters on there I don't know. So for me, it's it's a chance to see you know some other prospects that are out there. And I guess I am in the minority, but uh, I'll, I'll. probably— probably watch every episode but I won't watch I'm not gonna be live tweeting it like some people will I was
0: surprised Marsha Allen got picked last uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago I think it was about 2013 ish I was like okay she could be something she lost to Jessamyn Duke and Ashley Evan Smith but has had a a nice streak and hopefully they can fill up this women's featherweight division but I wonder if the women's featherweight division will even continue to exist after Cyborg either leaves or retires I wonder if they'll just be like, all right, we're, we're not rocking. Because I mean, fewer things get on my nerves more than people who claim that the talent is there for a women's featherweight division. There, there isn't. Even if you took all of Bellator's, it's still really thin. But, even, but Bellator has most of them right now. It's It's few and far between. And I do appreciate the fact that UFC, without really saying that they did it, they did attack two divisions that they don't usually attack on this show. And if I were Dana White, I would come out and say that. We don't usually put heavyweights on this show. It rarely happens. But they they haven't seemed to go that route. But they they have what with the heavy hitters tagline. James, if you had favorites among these heavyweight and women's featherweight, ultimate fighters, who, who would you pick?
2: Oh geez, it's difficult. Um, I think for heavyweight, I really like Josh Parisian, the guy who was on Contender Series. If you remember, he knocked out Greg Rabello, and then Dana, instead of giving him a contract, just said, "Hey, go in the Ultimate Fighter." Um, I think there's a lot of talent level there. He trains at a Scorpion Fighting Systems uh, with Amanda Cooper and, and you know a bunch of other fighters, and he's, he's pretty well known in the regional scene. He looks legit. Uh, Mo, Mo Green, who we saw win on the first season, looks good. His ground game, we don't know, but he's a big guy. I mean, that's basically how he won the fight was that he was able to utilize his range and and sort of go that way. For the women, it, it's really a crapshoot. I don't know a lot about. Uh, you know some of the international fighters. I did interview Panny Kianza today, coming to Fightful very shortly. Literally uploaded the interview before he came on here. Um, you know she's very talented. I mean went went the distance with Sarah Kaufman. Granted, that's a bantamweight, but I think there's you know the talent levels there for her. She definitely uh, you know got two wins heading into the show, uh, so there, there's some potential there. But uh, the women, I'll put a question mark on. But, but heavyweight, I think uh, Josh Parisian for me is the guy. I think he uh, I think he could surprise a lot of people. Also worth noting the Ultimate Fighter 28 finale, November
0: 30th. Uh, the only fight we have confirmed is Pedro Munoz against Brian Carraway. And I just got to <laughs> say, Carraway, in life right now, can't catch a break. For one, he's fighting Pedro Munoz. But two, yeah. the Tate thing. He got bounced from the rankings because I think of some, maybe a contract dispute. And even though he's back in the UFC, they they just didn't put him back in the rankings. He <laughs> was like top ten. and he's He got the fight confirmed like two weeks ago. Nowhere to be seen in the new rankings. But uh, I wanted to speak about the rankings to you guys. I do the UFC rankings breakdown on FightfulSelect.com every week. I release them a week later. Uh, some of the major, major changes. For some reason, Mackenzie Dern emerges back in the women's strawweight rankings. But Joanne Calderwood, number 11 as a women's flyweight. I expect to see her closer to the number 5, 6 spot. I I expect like her and Karmouche and... Shikagian, sadara eubanks nico montano shevchenko to kind of be the top pieces of that division early on joe what do you think about her uh starting off at number 11 in that division behind evan smith rose clark jessica i lauren murphy those names
1: well i'd like to see her fight some of the ladies you just mentioned uh, at least seven eight or nine i mean um i don't think alexis davis has an opponent right now i'd like to see joanne calderwood take on alexis davis although there is a bit of a size difference with alexis davis who fought at 135 so um, that's a fight that I'd like to see. Uh, Roxanne Montefiore against anybody is going to be a fun fight. Uh, but Joanne Caldwell debuting at number 11, I thought she'd be higher. Uh, I thought she'd be in and around eight or seven, maybe even six. Uh, but I get it. I understand it. I, I'm looking forward to seeing a bit more from her because this is the division she should have always have been in, um, and for some of these ladies as well. Uh, and, you know, I don't the, – the complete – polar opposite would be her taking on jessica i and then the post-fight interview would either be the greatest thing ever or the weirdest thing ever so (laughs)
0: james how much stock do you put into that win over Laterno? because it was before there was a division but it still is a win
2: in that division yeah, I put a lot of stock into it, actually, because Val, you know, it was kind of a weird finish, but at the same time, like she still got the finish and Val's extremely difficult to finish, including, you know, Joanna and couldn't finish her in their fight. So I do put some some stock into that win. And, uh, you know, I think the problem with, uh, you know, um, uh, which we call it Cal- Calderwood is just the fact that she's been so inactive. So, uh, you know, th- this win obviously helped uh, recently, but uh, I think we still need to see some more from her uh, in terms of where her placement is in the rankings. Although saying that flyweight's a mess right now, we have no idea yeah. where anyone really sits situates i mean you you could win a fight and you could fight for a title i mean that's really how you know that's where we're at right now
0: speaking of flyweight men's flyweight we have Davison figueredo jump up to number six that win over moraga was a big one and it shows what are you expecting out of figueredo is he is he a guy we could see compete for the title in 2019 because quite frankly we're getting that rubber match between mighty mouse and cejudo there is no reason to not do that james
2: yeah, I, th- I think very soon. I think uh, he he definitely impressed uh, recently. Um, you know, especially with his last fight. You know, Dustin Ortiz is another guy who's on the rise. I think he got a big win on that Calgary card. I thought Alex Perez looked good recently, defeating uh, you know Jose Shorty Torres. Uh, I'm surprised Perez isn't ranked actually. Now that I look at the rankings here, but uh, Figueroa. To answer your question, I-, I think he will definitely be up there. I think this guy is a title challenger. I think he proved that in his last fight. John Moraga is no joke, guys. I mean, this is a you know former yeah. title challenger to go out and get defeated the way he did. I think that was a huge win for him. And he came back, too. It
0: looked like Moraga was on the chopping block. And he came back and, and reeled off three big wins over the Good course talk. of that. And yeah. Yeah, especially him. High, highly touted. Uh, beat Wilson Hayes. So, I mean, th- those are three really big wins for him. Uh, Joe Yaya emerges at Bantamweight, number 15. Uh, lightweight, Islam Makachev. That's a crowded division, and he got ranked there. And then you have uh, Ilyazee shit I know and I didn't pronounce that right I just I just mumbled that out but Dos Santos at welterweight so you have some new blood making their way into these divisions and Jennifer Maya at women's flyweight
1: Figueredo though we'll go back to that for one second at flyweight I, I can't see him getting a title shot in 2019 because that division uh it's gonna have to be cleaned up a little bit because with Henry Cejudo as champion and that rubber match coming um you, you don't know what's going to happen that that might take a while we'll see but um, definitely a force to be reckoned with. I, I like the fact that some of these rankings are starting to see some new blood because it's deserved, it, right? It's it's one of those things where we've just kept seeing the same guys and girls um, in and around the same spots, but now people are moving. We're starting to see a whole bunch of changes. Look at the, look at the heavyweight rankings, right? Like not much changed over the past, and actually nothing changed uh, since the last update. But we're starting to see some different names at the top. New champion, new you know number one contender Stephen Miocic, Tai Tuivasa taking on Junior Dos Santos coming up. So. There's going to be some changes in that rankings as well real soon. But I like the fact that things are changing here. And at lightweight, at 155, and especially even at 170, that division, those two divisions are so stacked that the smallest loss, the smallest mistake could set you back for a very long time. I mean, James Vick finally cracked the top 10, uh, and now he fell down to number 12. Uh, Nate Diaz hasn't fought since 1984, and he moved up a ranking to number 10. So...
0: And at welterweight, it's Elezi Zaleski Dos Santos, in which I spasmed out of my face <laughs> <laughs> in that attempt to get it out. Uh, <laughs> Jessica Andrade, well, actually, we'll talk about that later when her I fight comes cover. up. Oh. Liddell and Ortiz, you're starting to see more media for this. <laughs> more and more. Hey, to the point of where we're even going to have a contest for a signed picture of Chuck Liddell versus Randy Couture as the fight comes closer. What's your level of interest in this, James? It is very much a freak show fight. And when Tito was asked about training for this fight, he joked that he's getting paid to fight, not to train.
2: Yeah, interest level is like a three. I, I really don't need to see this fight, especially when the guy who's you know fighting, like Ortiz has lost twice to him already. Um, to me, I, I know that they're really trying to grasp onto old names and trying to make something happen, but I just, I don't have like, there's no intrigue level for me here. Uh, it's not like a Dan Henderson where, you know, you can always land that H bomb and there could be something crazy that happens. Like there's nothing about this fight that really, you know, is, is going to surprise me here. So I, I'll watch it, but very low interest. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know how this was licensed to be honest, just with their, their ages and everything else. It seems very questionable to me. Joe, your thoughts uh I,
1: how it got licensed i don't know uh very good point james i don't think it should never have gotten licensed in my opinion my interest level isn't that high but i'm gonna watch it, it is chuck Liddell and tito ortiz two guys i've known for a very very long time uh both guys have been absolute gems anytime i saw them anywhere uh on this planet so it, it's, it's a fight i'm gonna want to watch i just i don't think chuck Liddell should be fighting tito's you know he's, he's obviously way past his prime um but People are going to watch. People are going to tune in. I don't think it's going to be that, it's not going to be that crazy in terms of mainstream people following it, but people will watch. I think so. I'm just, you know, it's not something, I, I mean, it's on my calendar. You know, I'll, I'll either watch it live, we'll see if I'm home at that, um, that night. If not, I'll watch it the next day, but I'm going to watch for sure.
0: Speaking of people who are going to watch things, allegedly, Logan Paul and KSI <laughs> did 800,000 <000 laughs> i pay per view buys. Which leads to Logan Paul suggesting that maybe he should fight in the UFC. We've seen GSP say, yeah, sure, why not? Let's celebrities fight in the UFC. Uh, Logan has a wrestling background. But Sage Northcutt was quick to call him out. Uh, Joe, this is a a little different than CM Punk. Logan Paul's a little bit younger. He's actually more of a proven pay-per-view draw in combat sports than CM Punk. He's got a little bit of a background. Do you think the UFC should do it? And what is the likelihood that it happens?
1: I don't think the UFC should do it at all. I think the UFC should stick to being the best promotion in mixed martial arts and only bring in fighters that deserve to be there that have worked their way up the rankings and forget these sideshow, freak show fights. Uh, Leave that for other organizations that are either, A, trying to grow their roster or trying to gain some sort of uh momentum in terms of of viewership uh or b you do it in japan where these types of fights people are interested in i don't know how much they love about logan paul although he did do uh that crazy thing uh, when he was in japan talking about suicide row there which was very disturbing uh and a lot of people wanted in to take on logan paul but i don't think the uc should get involved this i don't think they will it'd be silly if they did in my opinion we saw what happened with the whole cm punk thing uh the james tony randy couture thing was kind of that was kind of cool there was interest there um but other than that I don't want to see this fight. I don't want to see him fight in the UFC. You know, it, it's look, man. We either treat this like a sport. I know the UFC is a business, but we treat this like a sport, or we don't.
0: There are significant aspects of entertainment involved in mixed martial arts, specifically the UFC, James. But what does it mean if the UFC were to get in bed with a Logan Paul? I mean, it. I could, you know, I could see the financial upside for sure.
2: Yeah, it's a slippery slope. And I know we've had fights before that don't make sense in terms of rankings, in terms of, uh, you know, like bringing CM Punk in and fighting James Tony coming in and fighting. And I get that. Um, I, I just I, I really think it's going to totally water down what's already to some degree a watered down product. Um, and, and I think it's it really just sets a bad precedence. Now, one thing I, I got to give Josh Gross credit because I saw him tweet this uh, you know a while ago. Why doesn't the UFC just create another organization they own and just do celebrity fights? You know, Gender celebrity series. Yeah, like like do something like that. Put it on Fight Pass. I mean, years ago they did celebrity boxing, and I think it got like fifteen million views or something on television. Like it's it's something that people want to see, but just don't make it UFC official. Why doesn't the UFC just own it? They could promote it, whatever. But have Logan Paul fight some other celebrity or something in in another organization, and that way you can see the fight, and you're not saying oh he's a UFC fighter because otherwise you're just you're slapping any any fighter on the roster in the face by doing that. And I know people want to make more money. But I just think it, it really sort of it, you know, devalues what it means to be a UFC fighter.
0: I mean, you could do Dana White's celebrity series and put these on in very, very big venues. And, I mean, technically you could still have a guy like Greg Hardy fight on that show. I mean, he's exactly. a celebrity. He's a freaking yeah. celebrity. I mean, both of the guys in the fight don't necessarily have to be celebrities. But it is a proven draw. I mean, we saw the, the financial just – success of that show. And I had a lot of people talking about that show. I had people asking me if we were covering that. And I was like, wow, I can't believe this. (laughs) I didn't know who KSI was before that knew who Logan Paul was for all the wrong reasons. But I, I, I do think the UFC should get involved with promoting it. I just don't think it should be with everything else. I agree. And Hey, if you want to put CM punk on that show, put Sam punk on that show. But I think that might be a little too much of a bruise to his ego. To be classified with the celebrities at this point man not necessarily interested in predictions for this but the pfl format james they the world series of fighting has completely transformed into pfl they have the the playoffs set has this increased your interest in the promotion at all i've noticed a lot more live tweeting at least from other people about their shows
2: yeah, the problem, I, I like the PFL format. I've always been a fan of the tournament format, even when Bellator used to do it. Um, I, I think it, it definitely creates some intrigue because, you know, you want to see how a fight's going to end. Fight's going to end. Uh, you know, how many points is someone going to get? I mean, there's certainly flaws with the system. I don't know if you saw the issue with Shlemino Rama, where he's now in the playoffs because he defeated his opponent by Dr. Stoppage. But for some reason, the commission uh, said that it was one minute into the third round or like a second into the third round instead of it being at the end of the second because he fi- or no, it was the other way around. It was like he finished it in the second it should have been going to the third at, at the end or whatever. And because of that flaw, Brandon Halsey, who defeated him earlier in the season, is not in the playoffs, but he is. So there's a few things like that. Just to be th- That's more of a commission thing, I think, than anything. But in terms of the format and everything, I think it's great. My only issue is it's just tough to try and watch something on a Thursday when you got everything else going on. So I haven't been watching a lot of it live. I've been catching up after. But I think it works. I think if these guys are going to get paid at the end, if they are going to get their million dollars, I think it's a good outlet for fighters who are you know cut from the UFC, can't get into belts tour i think it uh you know it makes people want to watch i mean we had popo bezeha last week at a pretty p- spectacular knockout i mean joe you know he fought for titan he fought in bellator before that like i like to see where these guys go i do that veteran watch column every month i mean it's one of those things i like to know what's happening and i think the pfl has been overwhelmingly positive but is it something that can sustain we'll have to see joe so we'll you're a family
0: out. guy you've, you've got a lot of obligations i mean what could drag you into watching pfl on a thursday night
1: Well, it'll drag me in. First things first, if you go right to the website right now, pflmma.com, you'll notice exactly what you and I have talked about forever, Sean. A bracket format. You see it. You can click it. You can do the featherweight, the lightweight, whatever. You can see who is fighting whom, when. And I think that's fantastic. That's how it should be done. Now, will I watch it? Well, I mean, we talk about, you know, Bezea right away. He's taking on Andre Harrison uh, in the quarterfinals here in the first round in, in New Orleans. Fantastic. Love it. That's a great fight right there. Lance Palmer, he's competing. Great fight. Steven Siler, a guy I know as well. There's some good names in this featherweight class, for example, in this featherweight division. But now we can see that every single one of these fights, guys, means something. In the end, someone's going to get a million dollars. But now we can see every time one of these guys fights, and I know James just gave the example there that was absolutely insane how he's in the tournament. It just makes no sense to me. But anyways, we can (laughs) see it now. So I like this. I like this format. I think it should get a lot more traction. A problem is Thursday nights – Challenging for a guy like me because I'm coaching soccer Thursday nights and I've got a bunch of other things going on. But I like it. I absolutely like it. I think the format's fantastic. The way they're presenting it on the website's fantastic. This is how it should be for for any and all mixed martial arts. And the UFC can take and UFC is the UFC guys. Let's not kid ourselves. But it's good to know that these fights now mean something. Each fight, you know, when they compete, when they're going to be competing again. When the finals are, the championship is, winner gets a million dollars. I love it. I love the bracket format. always have.
0: Remains to be seen how this all ends up. Sometimes tournaments can go awry. Quite often, tournaments can go awry. Another thing that went awry is the relationship between Donald Cerrone and Jackson Wink MMA. This is wild. Cerrone's been involved with them for a long time, but says that, Winkle John essentially booted him out of the gym because his loyalty lies with Mike Perry, who is paying him money right now. Joe, this has been a knock on Jackson Winkle John in the past, the Rashad Evans-John Jones situation. Who do you side with right here? Who do you
1: think is in the right? It's tough to say, and I'll tell you this. Don Cerrone is a guy that operates uh, – he, he walks to the beat of his own drum. Okay, yeah. Anything and everything – we used to do back in the day with Donald Cerrone was always a little different than everyone else. I, I mean, I can give you examples of the UFC fan expo. Whenever we would have our pockets of time to interview the fighters, we'd go over to you know each and every fighter back then. It could have been Pat Berry. It could have been Chuck LaBelle, could have been whomever. And they're just sitting down signing autographs. And we got a microphone there. I've got, you know, three questions that I'm allowed in and out real quick, get a feature going. Cerrone would hop over and he'd be doing autographs sitting on the table with the fans right in front of him, driving security absolutely crazy. When we had the, uh, there, there were times we would go down to, you know, Winklejohn or or Jackson Winklejohn, the gym in Albuquerque, and everybody was there. Tons, it was a big, huge media day. Everyone's got opportunities to speak with everyone. Donald showed up thirty minutes with with thirty minutes to go. Showed up with his with his uh, horse. Everything was cool, blah blah. Jumped off, got in. I started, you know, just doing hitting the pads while we're all trying to do interviews. Right, mind you, I got a fantastic sit down with him. Don't get me wrong. But it's a guy that operates to the beat of his own drum. Now, when you have a conversation with him outside of MMA, the guy is out there. Like, he's out there. He's, a, he's absolutely a, a thrill-seeking nutcase, in my opinion. The guy's nuts, but that's the type of life he likes to live. So he has never been a guy that generally follows rules. He wants to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. Now, the whole thing with Jackson John, what's happened there? Greg Jackson and, and 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 Winkle Job, they have a gym to run. Okay. They had their, their their bread and butter is that gym, and whatever, you know, 5%, 10% they make on the fighters. So if Mike Perry's there paying, but Donald only comes in apparently every so often, we saw what Diego Sanchez said. Is he really part of the gym when he's got the ranch? He's got his own gym. He's got trained whenever he wants, however he wants. You know, he's not really quote unquote the way they mentioned it. He's not really part of the family helping other fighters get ready for their fights. He's an affiliate essentially. In essence, he's an affiliate. So it's tough to say. I mean, if I'm Donald Cerrone, I'd be a little upset as well. Not gonna lie to you, because I've been with this gym for such a long, long time. But on the flip side, when you hear Winklejohn basically saying the guy's never here for anyone else, we got a business to run here. And this is how we're gonna run it. I mean I've not trained
0: regularly with my fight team in years. Like, since some injuries. And there have been some people that have come in there that I don't like. But you know what? I look at my coaches and I realize that it's putting money in their pockets. I realize it's helping their livelihood. And I say, you know what? I'm not in there to worry about it anyway. Donald Cerrone's not in there to worry about it anyway. James, how do you feel about the situation?
2: Yeah, it is interesting. I I think uh, you guys hit the nail on the head there about Cerrone being sort of an affiliate of the gym at this point. And, uh, you know, that his his attitude, whether people love it or don't love it, I mean, it's going to rub some people the wrong way and rub Diego Sanchez the wrong way. I don't know if you guys saw his Instagram post. I mean, he basically said that, you know, he wasn't there when, you know, guys needed help for training. He's only there when he wants to be there. I mean, I get it. I get it from both sides. You know, it's just one of those things. But this was bound to happen. You have this at bigger gyms. You know, when you have uh, big gyms, you have fights that are going to, unfortunately, come together. And, you know, I know Perry hasn't been there that long. But, I mean, you're going to have scenarios like this. Even before Jones and and Rashad, Joe, you probably remember Diego Sanchez and George St. Pierre almost fought. And that's when Sanchez basically left the gym and went to train in San Diego. And St. Pierre ended up training there a lot more. So it's one of those things where it's bound to happen and, and you know, it's it, we're, we're sort of faced with this. So I don't really think it's anyone's fault. I just think it's the reality of the fight game that if you have a bigger gym, you're going to have situations where people are going to have to fight each other. And, you know, this is just one of those situations. And, you know, like you guys said, Jackson's has to run a gym and Cerrone obviously has to get the training where he can get it. But he has other options. I'm inclined
0: to agree. Uh, it's it's a messy situation, and it's unfortunate because Donald Cerrone has been tied to that gym for a very long time, and Lord knows the secrets of that gym. He's kept with some of the characters that have come and gone, and himself. Uh, not not only that, and Winkle, John, and Jackson stayed by Cerrone's side when he had some controversies that that would arise. So it's it's an unfortunate fracture, but it's one that ultimately. De- uh, boils down to dollars and cents and i can't really blame jackson and winklejohn for wanting to go with the guy who's making them money right now and will likely well into the future we'll see how that goes the driver who hit and killed and then ran off from jordan parsons two years ago was sentenced 10 years in prison 10 years probation he will not be
2: able to consume alcohol fitting punishment james Absolutely. You should get, yeah, whatever, you know, this, this guy, multiple, uh, you know, um, uh, offenses before this and he killed, you know, just a great guy. You know, I, I, those Parsons things hit, hits really hard for me, especially because I interviewed him literally four days before he was killed. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I, I had a bit of a relationship with him and then just to find out, you know, his career's over first of all, cause you hear about the leg and then he actually passes away is just unfortunate. And, uh, yeah, we got to keep people like this off the streets, uh, you know, multiple offender there, there's no reason this should have happened. Uh, this, this guy should have never been driving a vehicle and it's just a sad situation all around. Joe.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with James. I mean, it's, it's a terrible situation and you know, multiple offender, that's all you need to know, right? It's very unfortunate that, you know, we lost someone like Jordan, but, it's it's get these guys off the street and we can go back to what we were talking about last week about you know dudes with nazi tattoos and they can't get them taken off and then you know it's yeah, it's crazy get get them off the street he's gone 10 years see ya
0: invicta fc 31 happened last week joe did you watch any of it i did not
2: james caught caught some of the replays there uh you know good uh there was a featherweight fight that sort of kicked things off the uh the aubrey wolf and uh, holly salazar that uh you it's know a- draw yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, um, Audrey was supposed to be in the ultimate fighter. At least she tried out, didn't make the show. Um, so, you know, th- that was interesting. And Hey, uh, Lisa Spangler, uh, a lot of people aren't talking about her. She got a big win. I don't think people are expecting her to get that. Uh, she trains out in Washington state, uh, looked really good there. And of course, Pearl Gonzalez, a lot of good fights on this card, you know, Invicta always puts it on. And I like how now we're seeing some UFC fighters like Jamie Moyles back with them now. Like it's good to see them kind of, uh, you know, move, move the fighters back and forth. So it's not like the UFC is just taking all the women's fighters.
0: Like Lisa Spangler, she had a, a great amateur career as well, but Pro Gonzalez, shout out to her. She followed me on Twitter today, so <laughs> shout out, shout out to her. Speaking of women's MMA, Kayla Harrison expects to hold a major MMA title by the end of 2019, which begs the question, James, what is a major MMA
2: title that she can hold? I I have no idea. I don't know if that's her manager talking per se. Uh, if you know who her manager is, but uh yeah, it's I mean, she's obviously a talent, but it's just it's so difficult. cuz she cuts uh, she was, her last fight was it was it not 155? It wasn't even featherweight. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which which leads me to hope that she becomes
0: overwhelmingly dominant and then people nag Cyborg to move up in weight to fight her and then Cyborg will probably be like, "No, she's too big. Why would I why would I do that? Why would I do <laughs> yeah. such a thing?"
2: Yeah. So, looking for. yeah, I mean, it's 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 a nice story in MMA. It's just it's it's she's just in the wrong weight class, unfortunately. It just stinks because uh, you know they're going to have to figure something out with her because anything higher than one thirty five, it's it, you know it's a desert out there. We just you know we just talked about the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, it's difficult to to get talent to, in there right now. So it's just uh, it, we'll, we'll see what happens. But obviously, uh you know, good story with her being an Olympian and everything else.
0: I was shocked that Helen Morales didn't get into pro wrestling or MMA off of her. 2016 gold medal i mean she has a great look she's really personable she could compete at 115 125 also WWE would love i know WWE would love to have her they were taking a good look at her then she still i think she turns 27 this month so that's a name that i still even two years later i look at and i know she's still doing a lot of stuff with amateur wrestling and the thing is a lot of the the amateur wrestlers the lead amateur wrestlers of the world if they can keep making money Doing amateur wrestling to some degree—that's what they stick with. But if they see MMA pro wrestling as a more viable option, then that's the way they go. UFC 228. Just a reminder: James does have pros picks both on the Fightful YouTube and his YouTube. Go to fightfulmma.com. Click that exclusives tab. It's quite the card, Joe. What are you looking forward to most on the early prelims? We got Diego Sanchez on there. Jim Miller, Irene Aldana, Jared Brooks looking to come back. You got Frank Camacho. Who are you
1: looking forward to? <laughs> Five fights on the prelims. Like, my goodness. The fight
0: past prelims, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um <sighs> 14 fights on this show because yeah. I mean well, I mean, twelve by the time we get there. Jim Miller's not gonna have an easy fight with Alex White. Not there's Diego San- Sanchez with Craig White. So that those are interesting fights to take a look at. Um, I mean, there's two whites, there's two Sanchez's on the <laughs> card. Um, you know, Jared Brooks fights can be pretty good too. I, I I like it. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, if I'm going to choose one, I, Diego Sanchez is always wanted to be one of those guys that no matter what he does, when he does it, um, it's always fantastic from the time he walks to the cage or runs to the cage, depending on which fight it is. Uh, I just don't know how much he has left in his tank. So, um, this could be a situation. I mean, I'd, I'd hate to see it happen on the, on the fight pass card, but two guys could be retiring at this point here, right? These These are two guys that if they get knocked out.
0: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off, My Rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.
1: First round quick and early, Sanchez and Miller should be rethinking their careers.
0: James, let me ask you, Diego Sanchez has never lost three fights in a row, which is wild to think. Does he stave that off on Saturday night?
2: It's tough for me to pick Diego Sanchez just with the the way things have gone for him. Now, granted, he has fought some tough guys and guys with really good knockout power. Um, But Craig White, I mean, this guy's like a light heavyweight trying to cut down to to welterweight. I mean, thankfully, he has a full camp now. If you remember, he cut, I think, 30 pounds in like a week or something like that when he fought Neil Magny. Um, So, you know, he's had a full camp now. He'll probably be back to normal. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you have to pick White here. I mean, just the younger guy has more upside. Sanchez has just been, Joe knows, there's so many wars. I mean, it's just crazy to think that he's still fighting. Still the only fighter in the UFC, I think across the board, even if you look at all the other organizations uh, that was part of season one of the Ultimate Fighter that's still competing. So um, I, I don't think things are going to go well for him, but it's funny. I talked to Sanchez and uh, you know he thinks that that Matt Brown fight was actually. Actually, it, it, illegal uh, shot. He feels that he was hit in the back of the head or something like that. So I don't know. We'll see, but uh, we'll, we'll see. He, he seems to think he's going to run over Craig White, but we'll 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 see what happens on that one. But uh, to, to answer the question you asked, Joe. I actually like this Jared Brooks fight because uh, you know it was, it was supposed to be Ryan Benoit and uh, Sanchez, and now you've got Jared Brooks, who's definitely looking for some revenge after that fight against Shorty Torres, where he was winning and then he kind of knocked himself out, and Torres ended up winning the fight. And uh, you know I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Can this guy come back? Because he got he heard it all day, all night on social media and everything oh, yeah. else. Oh, yeah. How do you respond for? How do you respond to that? Not only that, he went to a split with uh, Figueroa and
0: Figueroa, and the thing is. He came into that fight as a highly touted flyweight prospect, one of the, the next comings of, of a flyweight star. And a lot of people thought that Brooks won that fight. When you look at the media scores, most people had Brooks winning that fight. I think 70% of fans had Brooks winning that fight. So, I mean, he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he went from 13-0 and 0 to facing three straight losses, which really shouldn't be three straight losses. You look at those two losses. He was handling Shorty Torres. Yeah, he should have beaten a guy who is now ranked number six in the division that has to eat him up inside has to eat him up inside. Uh, James, I believe you also talked to
2: Frank Camacho out of this fight, didn't you? I did, yeah. And, uh, you know, Frank's uh, got his back against the wall here. You know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he fought Drew Dober, things didn't go his way. Here's the interesting thing. Jeff Neal used to fight at middleweight and now he's fighting at welterweight and Frank Camacho fought primarily at lightweight and now he's fighting (laughs) at welterweight. So I'm curious to see how the size difference will be in this fight. And Neal, there's, you know, there's some question marks on him. He's only got 11 fights. Or sorry, uh, yeah, he's only got 11 fights. And, um, you know, the thing with him too is, you know, he has a day job. He's actually a server at a restaurant. So he balances that between training. I think Camacho actually does this full time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the the difference in training camps heading into this fight. Um, But, uh, you know, I I think Camacho needs a win here. You know, I know he's exciting, but that can only, there's only a few guys in the UFC who can be exciting and lose fights and still get, uh, you know, a contract. And that's Ross Pearson, but there, there's very few people that will, will hold on. So if Camacho loses this fight, I think he's, he's done. And, you know, Neil, I think he still has some things to prove. The, you know, the debut win against uh, Kamozi was good, Brian kamozi But uh, I still think there's, there's a lot to prove. And by the way, Jeff Neil, uh, one of three uh, Fortis MMA fighters on this card, uh, Charles Bird on this card, and uh, Razak Al-Hassan is now training at Fortis as well. So we'll see if that momentum changes. Maybe if one of the guys gets a win, that sort of helps the other teammate. We'll see what happens. Also on this show, we're, we're seeing almost a bit of a mirror
0: match. Uh, Irene Aldana, just a couple of years ago, was a highly touted prospect out of Invicta. She, I think three years ago, she was maybe 26, 27, was Invicta champion. UFC wanted her. They got her. She lost her first two fights, yeah. was able to recover and win. Now you have who who is a 24-year-old European star, has won two in a row, two of her last three, uh, eight and two for her career. Joe, it, it is a bit of Aldana looking at someone who had a very similar trajectory as her, although uh, Lova didn't go through the ultimate fighter, or not ultimate
1: fighter, Invicta. How do you think this one goes? Well, both of them. I mean, Aldana's a 115, and Lova's 105, so it's just a pick up fight. Uh, I am going to lean toward, towards Aldana in this fight here. I think there's just something that wasn't going right in those, in those losses. So I think hopefully she, she fixes things up, but it, it's going to be, they're both talented. They're both relatively young. Um, the future is bright, but you know, for Aldana she can't, she, she came in. I remember when she first came in, uh, I was in Niagara falls watching this fight uh, on television. I was able to catch it. And I was like, yeah, she's going to be fantastic. And it's like, Ooh, okay, well, what's happening here. Right. So, I, I'm going to lean towards her in this fight here. I think she brings a bit more to the cage, but, I mean, the odds are not saying that. I'm looking forward to a couple of the uh, Sean Ross apps. I got five on it because there's a bunch of fights here that I'm like, whoa, really? Yeah, hit,
0: hit us with these lines as we go through.
1: Well, first things first, you got Jessica Andrade taking on Kova Kevich. is plus 325.
0: That's a, it's a, sol- that's a solid one. Win- we'll, we'll get to those as we get to them. I mean, as we go through.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, also, Petit Lova, the
0: only person to beat her, Lena Landsberg. Interesting fact about Petit Lova. First fight as a pro, bantamweight. Second featherweight. Third flyweight. You don't see that often. I mean, you used to, where women would just take fights wherever they could get get fights, but you don't see that a lot these days. Uh, James, what are you expecting out of this one?
2: This is the, I have the least amount of interest in this fight uh, out of any fight on the card. Um, <laughs> it's just two, two disappointing fighters, in my opinion. Uh, I, well, I know Putulova is coming off two wins. She got the win over Morris, but. Um, I expect Eldana to win barely. Um, I, I think the line's right where it needs to be as far as the betting odds go. But um, uh, we need to see more from Eldana. Like you guys said, very hyped, hasn't really lived up to it. This should be a fight where she does that, but we'll, we'll see what happens. You never know. She's just, again, just very disappointing. Also on this show, FX
0: prelims. We got Jimmy <laughs> Rivera, John Dodson. This is a high-level fight for uh, <laughs> for the FX prelims on – these prelims, instead of Rezak Al Hassan and Nico Price, and it's not the main event, but there, there are a couple fights. There are three fights, really. These all three of these uh, FX, the top fights on that that prelim, I think, are better than the opening main card fight. But Jimmy Rivera, John Dodson, a couple guys who are trying to keep their name in the conversation. Dodson's coming off of a win over Pedro Munoz is one, two of his last three. Jimmy Rivera was real close to a title shot. Unfortunately, Marlon Morias's foot was a little bit closer to his
2: temple and derailed that. How how do you think this one goes, James? Well, uh, Fightful.com is the only place where you can find interviews with both Jimmy Rivera and John Dodson. So oh, just dog. keep that in mind to our, uh, to our, uh, to our listeners out there. But uh, I this is a coin flip. It really is. Because here's the thing. Dodson, his losses at Bantamweight have all been by split. I mean, they're fights that were extremely close, as it says in the split decision. Um, and, and they're two really good opponents as well. And Rivera, I mean, the knock on him has sort of been, has he fought the legit competition? I mean, he does have that win over Almeida. He has the win over Faber, but Faber retired shortly after. So it's tough to say at this point. I mean, you don't just win, what was it, like 20 straight fights for nothing. He did lose on the Ultimate Fighter, but I digress. Um, Rivera, I I think the thing that what it comes down to is, you know, that last loss, how does he respond to that? You know, when a guy loses, they, you know, they sort of have to make adjustments. How are they going to figure things out? Rivera always seems to have really good game plans. And I I wonder if that last fight, a lot of that, I wonder if, you know, there's some trash talk heading into that fight with Moraes. You know, uh, Moraes' manager, again, don't need to mention his name, but there's a lot of stuff being Mm -hmm. said back and forth. Did that play a role in that fight with Moraes? Was Rivera, you know, sort of shooken off his game, so to speak? I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But uh, if I have to make a pick in this fight, I'm going Rivera slightly. I know that's, you know, Dodson doesn't usually lose uh, fights like this, but... I, I just think he'll he'll you know have more volume. I think he'll do more in this fight, and I think he'll get the win here. And Dodson needs the win too because he's kind of you know I think people expected when he moved up, there, it was only a matter of time before he's going to get to have that rematch with TJ Dillashaw. But that hasn't happened, and uh, I think both of these guys really need to show that the, the top of the heap. Obviously, Rivera a little bit more of a natural bantamweight than than Dodson is,
0: but Joe, we got a couple of real. This is so under the radar. Nobody is talking about this fight except for fightfulmma.com click that <laughs> exclusives tab for those interviews. Jimmy Rivera won 20 fights in a row before June. Nobody's talking about this fight. This is these are two guys who could be competing for the title next year.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm a little confused at how they're they're placed on this FX card because what you want to do is you want to drive uh, people with the last boat to to buy the pay-per-view. Um I would – I'm not saying uh, – I don't know. You guys tell they me like – Suarez a lot though. UFC loves yeah. Suarez. Yeah, but you can put her second from the top on this prelim card. Even Aljamain Sterling and, and Cody, they're going to put on an exciting fight in my opinion. That's going to drive people for sure. I get what the UFC is doing here though uh, because you do have a co-main event in Nico Montana and, and Valentina Shevchenko. So yeah. the women are going to get showcased no matter what. But Jimmy Rivera, Jod Dotson, I think – and correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe this is the mentality. But Jod Dotson, for some reason, just because he hasn't been able to finish fights – They might think it's a risk to put him there for 15 minutes before they head into a Uh, pay-per-view. I'm going to lean towards Jimmy Rivera in this one here. I think he's going to put the pressure on John Dotson. John Dotson is not getting any younger. Um, He still has the speed, but at 33 years old, it's going to start slowing down. It'll take some time. By the time he's 35, 36, but you just never know. He's not the guy that we saw back in the day at 125 pounds, so... Jimmy Rivera's got something to prove in this fight here. He wants to prove once again where he belongs in these rankings. And I think he's a fantastic fighter. And I think it's it's going to be a good fight that's going to push uh, Dotson. So, I mean, we'll see what's up. But I, I, I'm i definitely leaning towards Jimmy Rivera. He's got to protect that number five spot for sure.
0: Reminder, guys, in, your, in the uh, comment section of this, if you're watching on YouTube, leave your predictions. I want to know what you guys think. We have another fight in uh, Aljamain Sterling and Cody Staman. And Aljamain Sterling was another guy who was a highly touted prospect, had a rough go of it, has rebounded a bit, won three of four, looks to be on the right track. I've seen more improvement out of him and since the beginning of 2017 than I had seen in his first three years in the UFC. And I don't think it was even close. It seemed like from an outside perspective – it seemed like he relied a lot more on natural talent his first three years. And then in the last couple of years, I've just seen this, this incredible advancement in his technical ability. But he's facing Cody Stamen, who is and 3-0 in the UFC and has wins over Terry and Ware, Ducombeau, and Caraway. And a win over Caraway comes much easier said than done. I know we bust his balls an awful lot. And Caraway's stand-up didn't look great, but, man, that, those shots were still lightning fast. Though that, that wrestling was still there, and you could see it, and Stamen emerged victorious.
2: This is a great test for Stamen. I love this matchup, James. I do too. And I love Cody Stamen as an underdog in this fight, to be honest. Uh, I I understand that, you know, Sterling has has fought some tougher guys. He's got a lot of finishes. So that's probably why he is the favorite heading into this one. But Cody Stamen finds a way to win fights. I mean, you could have said that Caraway potentially could have won that last fight, but Stamen always keeps active. His wrestling's really good. Here's the thing, guys. When was the last time Sterling fought a really good wrestler or a guy who's really able to put on the pressure? It's been a while. I mean, a lot of the guys, you look at, you know, Brett Johns, brow mores i mean these aren't like wrestlers they're mainly guys that are you know jiu-jitsu or have good stand-up or whatever so i'm curious to see the style matchup from that perspective another interesting thing is that i know jared brooks has been training a lot of michigan top team as well for this camp where are steaming trained so you know having that look will be good brooks a really fast flyweight so that could help him in this fight um I, there's a lot to like about this matchup and you know just the fact i mean t- 2014 was the last time that Stamen lost and that was a split decision i mean this is a guy that's tough to finish so if sterling can't finish the fight is he able to keep up the pace of a cody Staman? i think at plus value plus money right now stamen's a good value and he's actually going to be my pick for this fight
0: yeah i'm going with him as well and really the only wrestler that sterling has fought was caraway and we saw how that went and he lost yeah yeah it just it didn't go well for him uh I I do like Stamen in this fight. I will be picking him. I will also be picking Carla Esparza for my I got five on it. That doesn't mean (laughs) I think she's going to win. I don't think she's going to beat Tatiana Suarez. But at plus 415 some places, I'll take a former UFC champion for my I got five on it. Other I got five on it's Carolina Kavolkovich 325. Nico Montano, plus 800. Take the flyer. Take the flyer. Just a banana peel can be slipped on. But we got Carla Esparza against Suarez. And like I said, the UFC likes Suarez an awful lot. A young girl uh, with with her background in the Olympics. And she's undefeated. I think she's 9-0, including the ultimate fighter. Has had had a good run of it. But she's facing a former UFC champion who I had completely wrote off at this point. I thought that Asparza as was kind of done. I didn't think she was really, her heart was in fighting. But uh, after the Random Marcos win, she looked pretty good. She lost to Gedalia, but I mean, lost a split decision. Joe, I think this is, uh, that line is maybe not as, maybe not as accurate as it should be because I've been impressed by what I've seen out of Esparza over the last, year or so and that's crazy to say out of a former UFC champion oh I'm impressed with her ability
1: yeah yeah well first things first I'm going to take off my Ryzen hat for one moment because Cody Staman does train with Darren Crookshank and Crookshank's uh just fantastic when he competes uh, in Ryzen he's taking on Diego Brendel next so that was where my heart was until I realized it's Aljamain Sterling and how dare how dare both of you go against anybody Against Sarah Longo, when those two guys are yeah. cornering people, it's the greatest <laughs> ever. Mic them up, get rid of John Annick and DC. Let's listen to Sarah Longo because that's going to be amazing. Those guys make me laugh nonstop. For this women's strawweight fight, Carla Esparza. Holy smokes! Like you talk about five on a plus four fifteen. We saw what she did uh, in her last fight, where you and I, Sean, were just kind of like, "What just happened here?" Yeah. So yeah. under no circumstances should anybody at all be sleeping on Carla Esparza and thinking that Tatiana Suarez is just going to walk right through her. I can't see that happening. I mean, it is MMA and it can happen. But, um, you know, Tatiana's heavily favored here at minus 525. Carla is good money at plus 415. James, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, the odds are, are definitely at a whack here. I mean, Esparza showed in her, you know, a couple of fights ago against um, uh, uh, Cynthia Calvillo that you, you can't just, you know, p- pick up on a prospect and think that Esparza is just going to roll over. But I'm not as impressed as you guys are with her, uh, you know, since she lost to Joanna. I mean, to me, she's the same fighter. She's got good wrestling. She's able to sort of, you know, put the pressure on her strikings, you know, steadily improving. But there's nothing about her performances that have really told me like, oh yeah, she could definitely get back to the title. I mean, she's she's got good wins. And definitely by the way, Sean, but by, by the way, you said uh, you said uh, her win over Marcos. She actually lost to Marcos, but I agree with you. As, yeah. Even as a Canadian, I thought she beat Marcos. That was a dumb... And I thought she beat Gidea as well. I so mean, realistically... realistically that, but that's the point. Since
1: Joanna, she's she technically on a five-fight win streak, James, right?
2: I, I, I agree, but I think that has more to do with her opponents. I mean, Marcos has been sort of lukewarm her entire UFC career. Gidea's gotten worse, in my opinion. I don't know what happened with those two yeah. fights, but she has not been the same fighter. So, uh, to me, I just... I don't put a lot of stock in the wins here. And Suarez, I mean... It, it, the, the verdict's out. We're certainly going to find out in this fight if she is the real deal because Grasso's been a disappointment as a prospect. Remember when she came in, they're like, oh man, big things ahead. Mexico yeah, City, true. everything else. I mean, Suarez went out there and finished her in the first round. we'll, we'll see. The thing I don't like about Suarez, she's been so inactive. Uh, she's had some gaps here in some of her fights. I think she's fought, what, three times since she won the uh, Ultimate Fighter you know, debut fight onwards. One so that's a little year. bit confusing. Yeah. So that's a bit concerning. Spars has been a little bit more active with that said, though, there's something about Suarez. When I watch her fight, I feel like we could see a potential champion down the line. There is there's just something about her, whether it's her background, whether it's anything else. There's something about her that has that sort of that extra, you know, that it factor. And I I think I think we'll see it in this fight. I think this is going to be her coming out party as far as taking out a legit veteran. But with that said, am I gonna lay down what's the odds right now? Minus uh 525? Hell no. Because anything can happen, right? Yeah. But but I, I my my pick is definitely Suarez in this fight. I th- I think she will uh you know prove her worth in this fight and against a former UFC champion.
0: With Suarez, it's I think she's fought this will be her seventh fight in just over two and a half years. She stayed somewhat active, but she had that long break between the tough finale and then her her next fight against Vivian Pereira. The thing with Asparza that impressed me was her willingness to adapt. She saw that the striking was working for her against Gedalia and just kept going with it. Let's talk about this main card. Some of these are confusing, but Zabit is <laughs> this is a showcase fight. That's what this is. Yeah. Let's make no bones about it, James. This is a fight for people to see him and say, "Oh, who's that guy?" Now I know who he is.
2: Yeah that that's exactly it and props to Brandon Davis for stepping up on short notice. There's a list of guys I'm sure in the featherweight division. You don't want to fight Zabit because there's really not a lot of upside. I mean this guy's the you know the who's who as far as prospects go. I mean I, I hate to look at MMA math, but, you know, Kyle Bochniak beat Davis. And, and of course, uh, you know, uh, Zabit, you know, handled Bochniak no problem. Um, I, I think this is going to be – th- I think we're going to see a finish in this one. I think Zabit will go out there and finish Brandon Davis. This is this is smart on the UFC's part as, as far as getting a last-minute opponent because Davis always brings it. He's entertaining. They don't call her you know, killer B for nothing. Uh, he's always in a good fight. So this is a showcase fight for Zabit. I just wish at some point, you know, the stars would align and he'd actually fight like a veteran or someone where we could actually see him tested because I don't think we're going to see that in this fight. It's Brandon Davis. I know he's a gamer. He can always surprise, but I'd be shocked if he beats Zabit. In my opinion, this is a finish for Zabit. We're going to see an Instagram video uh, coming to your, uh, you know, comput- your phone screen in the near future.
1: Joe, anything to add? Well, just to play off of what James just said, when you take a look at who's above Zabit in the rankings, I will watch anybody. Any one of those guys starting at 14, Yari Rodriguez, Darren Elkins, Ricardo Lamas, Volkanovsky, Korean Zombie, Becktik, Emmett, Swanson, Stevens. This is the beat's future. Should he emerge victorious on Saturday night? And I think he does emerge victorious on Saturday night. The guy is something else, especially with that reach. He's got like a 75-inch reach advantage. It feels like sometimes when he fights, he's calm, explosive, and I just think he's that much, he's just crazy. When he competes, so I'm looking forward to his scrap there. But you're right, Sean. It is definitely a showcase fight right before the title fights. Yeah, this is going to be fun for sure.
0: I personally have the very exciting for better or for worse, Nico Price over Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Although Al Hassan gave us one of the most entertaining moments in fightful history when <laughs> James Lynch was backstage at an event, and uh, I believe he said he wanted a Coke, and somebody said, "Do you mean cocaine?"
1: Oh, jeez
2: yeah oh that was so good yeah go go watch that on the youtube channel because he like totally got like surprised like no no not coke cocaine yeah it was so funny it was a fantastic reaction james did he have here I got price here. I mean, it really just comes down to level of competition. I think that, uh, you know, I, I like the fact that Razak is at Fortis now. I think he's going to get better training partners. Uh, you know, he's definitely has a better camp going into this. But, you know, two wins over Sabah Hamasi, who, uh, you know, I know Joe, he's a Titan alum there, a good guy and everything. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where I just I can't I can't put stock in a guy who has whose notable wins are Charlie Ward and Sabah Hamasi twice. Whereas Price, I mean, you look at some of the, you know, the the one loss to Luque, who I think is, you know, a future challenger, at least a top 10 guy in the future, for sure. I mean, all of his wins have been dominant. I got to like, I got to take Nico Price in this fight. I just think he is, uh, he is really, uh, you know, um, up there as far as, uh, you know, his skill set and everything like that. And I I believe the odds were were pretty close last time I checked. I mean, right now, uh, actually, yeah, Price is the underdog here. Go yep. get that underdog money. T- take advantage of it. I don't think I don't think Razak is, is you know what everyone's hyping him up to be. I think people like that he made a sports center highlight in his last fight, and people are forgetting the level of competition he's facing. I think Price takes this one.
0: The level of competition he's facing back to back at that. Um up next, uh, sorry, Joe, give your thoughts. Jade is wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Get some argument. Let's go. Ahead.
1: No, I think I think um Al-Hassan wins this fight. I know what you're saying about uh, the the victories that he's had in the past there. I just think he's fantastic. I think he's going to – if he can keep that stamina going because he may not get that first-round finish that he might be expecting, uh, if he can pull off a good 10, 15-minute fight here and still stay um, you know, level-headed, but he's just got that power, man. He's just got that power. You just never know. And once he rocks somebody, he switches gears and goes in for that finish. I do think he emerges victorious. I'm not touching this fight, James. Minus 145 for Al-Hassan, it's not enough for me, no.
0: Andraj against Kavolkovich, uh, Both of these men are women, rather. Women. <laughs> oh. women. <laughs> We're going to get My some about
2: that one. <laughs> oh,
0: shit. Looking to really put a stamp here because Kavolkovich has a win over Rose Namajunas. And contrary to what Joanna Janjacek says, Rose, Rose is the, the actual champion in that division and does, does uh, kind of hold the cards. Andrade has won five of six, has never fought uh, the champion as, as things stand. So you have a couple of at least matchups that make sense here. Andrade, a huge favorite, has had to sell her gear to make ends meet, Joe.
1: That's a lot, man. That's, that's like mentally speaking. You, when you're not comfortable financially, it's difficult in life as is. No matter what you're doing, if you're living quote-unquote paycheck to paycheck. You're a professional fighter. like You are, are getting in front of thousands of fans in an arena, millions watching around the world potentially, and you can't make ends meet. I'm not sure mentally where her head is right now. So it is, in my opinion, it's, it's not probably in a good place. And that's why I brought up the fact that Carolina is a plus 325 favorite on a bunch of different sites. Holy smokes, I got five on that one for sure.
2: James? I I like Andrade in this fight. I think that kind of like I talked about Carlos Sparza, Karolina Kovalevich as well has not done anything for me that really says that she's gotten that significantly better. And I think you have to when you're fighting someone like Jessica Andrade. And uh, actually, you know, speaking, the line's obviously out of control here, but I'll tell you a prop I do like in this one right now. Andrade wins by decision right now on five dimes is minus 115. I will definitely take a stab at that because Kovalevich is tough to finish, but I think Andrade will do enough to get a decision here. And I I, I do see her coming away. I'd be very surprised if Kovalkiewicz just comes out and defeats Andrage. But like Joe said, the odds are good, but I just don't see it happening. I think Andrage is the real deal and financial stuff or not. I, I believe she made almost 96,000 in her last couple of fights and somehow she still needs to sell stuff. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe it was an expensive lifestyle. I mean, she got two
0: fight of the night bonuses last year alone. Right. Yeah. And got one over, over the course of, I think a year, she got 150,000 in bonuses alone before Reebok, before all that stuff. I mean, you got to live within your means. Still, they should be paid more, but you got to live within your means at the very least. Yeah. I've got uh, Andrade Wim, but I'm definitely putting five on on Kovalevich. Main, Komei, Nico Montano, Valentina Shevchenko. The way that the world would have you think this is basically just Montano experiencing a stay of execution until Saturday night. And if Mario Yamasaki were in the cage, that would probably be the case. Personally, I, I do think that Shevchenko is going to beat the brakes off of Montano, but I still got five on it at plus 800. James, this is, it seems like <laughs> it seemed inevitable for Shevchenko or Joanna to become champion. Just happened a little bit later than most thought. But what do you think of this fight?
2: I, I think it's going to be pretty one sided, like most people are thinking. To me, uh, Shavshenko's fought the better competition. She's fought better wrestlers. I mean, you look at Juliana Pena. I think Juliana Pena would probably beat Nico Montano if they fought. We'll see. Anything can happen in a fight, especially a fight with, uh, you know, the odds like it is. Um, you know, I think I mentioned this last week on the show. Like, Valentina is the, I think she's the highest uh, betting favorite as a title challenger heading into a fight, um, which is insane because right now I'm looking at the odds; she's minus 1250. A lot of people would be scared by that odds, but interestingly enough, Shevchenko wins inside the distance prop is minus 160. I think that very likely happens with this being five rounds. I think you take a stab at that, but I think Shevchenko by stoppage is probably a good bet in this one. Don't need to say much more.
1: Joseph. I can't wait to see your tweets on Saturday night as I'm in Niagara Falls with my family. Yeah, <laughs> have fun with
0: those $100 meals. I, I accidentally yeah, They're, they're rip-off. <laughs> a tweet
1: When Nico Montano finishes Valentina Shevchenko by vicious TKO, mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see your tweets. As for my prediction, Shevchenko is the new champ.
0: <laughs> I predict you're going to get creative with some of those write-offs uh you're gonna you're gonna say honey uh you know there are fights tonight and boom that's a business expense
1: it's a family one taking the mother-in-law down there after all she's been through and it's gonna be yeah you know what actually you're right sean even though it is a family thing and we're taking care of my mother-in-law because of what she went through uh health-wise it's gonna cost me a lot of money isn't it you you
0: point you point at your mother-in-law and you say what do you think of liddell ortiz and the (laughs)
1: moment she speaks of it you
0: say Business expense. I have never, <laughs> on purpose, paid for 100, uh, a hundred a one hundred dollar meal in Kentucky. You couldn't if you tried for two people. I accidentally got three of them yeah. in Niagara
1: Falls. Crazy, mindless. Crazy. Yeah. It's
0: just mindless. Uh, I will have a post show Saturday night, looking to have Stephen Jensen uh, on that show as well as both James and Joe will be out of town. But we got a main event as well. Darren Teal. Tyron Woodley, the first burning question, Joe, does Darren Teal make weight? And the second is, does he fight?
1: I'm the wrong person to ask for that type of information or that type of commentary because I'm always going to be giving people the benefit of the doubt. You are fighting for a world championship, something that you have worked your whole career for. This is what you've been doing your whole life for to get into this position to fight for a world championship title. I will give Darren Till the benefit of the doubt that he does make weight, that he will compete. Now, with that being said, will I get ripped apart by everybody on the live chat, including the two gentlemen I'm on this podcast with? Should Darren Till not make weight? Yes, that'll probably happen, Uh, whether it's through WhatsApp messages or Twitter messages or something, (laughs) you guys will rip me apart. I just think he will make weight because I've been in this game long enough um, and, and probably can count on one hand how many guys and girls did not make weight for their world championship fight, something – I mean, again, w- w- with my my background with George St. Pierre talking about, you know, watching him grow through the rankings, becoming a world champion, and then having to defend his title, and learning so much from guys like George and Faraz about the mentality of a challenger, uh, you got to think Darren Till's going to make weight. I mean, he, first of all, he shouldn't even be in this position, so he's got to consider himself lucky. This is Colby Covington's fight, not Darren Till's fight. So, dude, make your weight, fight for the title, and you're in my opinion lucky that you're minus one ten because I think Woodley should be a favorite in this fight.
0: James, let me ask you, is
2: Colby Covington still an interim champion after Saturday? (sighs) I probably not. I mean it he he should be, in my opinion. I mean it's, you know, what, what are you doing, UFC? You get the guy to the White House. You get all this, you know, <laughs> you, right? You, you make all this stuff happen. And then you're just going to take away his title. It's like, unless they want that to create even more of a buzz. I don't know. It wants to fight him, put it on TV
0: and then yeah. have the two winners of the title fights face off. It's, you know, what they did when they needed an interim title, when all their, their champions were in motorcycle wrecks and had surgically removed buttholes and contract disputes and all this stuff that was happening with the heavyweight division, they had an interim champion that ran along, and then finally they unified it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, if the UFC smart, I mean, the thing is, whether people there's a lot of people watching this. There's people in general. I, I hear it all the time. They hate Colby Covington. I get it. But the fact that people are talking about this guy, probably more than they are Tyrone Woodley, says a lot. So I think you don't want to necessarily screw that up if you're the UFC because you need as much help as you can to market your fighters. I have twice as many Twitter
0: followers as the UFC women's flyweight champion who's on this card. That's a problem. That's a problem. If I said to anybody in my town, who is Nico Montano, they'd say, who? I've had at least a couple people say, man, that Colby, he's wild. What's up with him? How do you think this fight goes, James?
2: I like Tyron Woodley in this fight. I think the fact that Till even has to worry about the weight cut and, you know, whether he makes weight or not, I believe he will. Although, Joe, I will say this. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger other than a title fight of having the UFC's first card in Liverpool and you're headlining the card and you still miss weight. Like, I know he had family issues, but come on, man. Like, you gotta... I, I don't know if that gets any bigger as far as a title fight. So to me, it's like the magnitude of this, I think, is irrelevant for him because it's like he had the big fight in his last fight as well, too. So the fact they missed weight there sucked. But I think he will make weight. I think the fact that he has to cut so much will play a detriment. I just think Woodley overall is is just he's fought the better guys. He's more well-rounded. I mean, if Till's able to, you know, go in there and finish him early, it's possible. But, I mean, Nate Marquardt's the only guy who's been able to finish Woodley. And that, I mean, that ain't saying much. So I I think you have to just look at the experience and the wrestling and and, then just a lot of things. Now, Woodley's had the layoff. Obviously, that's concerning. But if you remember the last time he had a long layoff, he knocked out Robbie Lawler. So I'm going with Woodley in this one. I think he'll find a way to get it done. And, uh, yeah, I I think, uh, I think you know, Till put up a good fight, but Woodley will will come out victorious. Personally, I'm going to go with Teal. I think the size is going to play a big factor. It might
0: neutralize Woodley's wrestling a little bit because the three inches in height is one thing, but the frame is the other thing. And, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if Woodley wins this fight, but coming off of the layoff that he's had, that, that that makes me question things. Also, the type of injury that he has. How much will that neutralize his striking game? How much will the surgically repaired uh, shoulder labrum, whatever it may be,
1: uh, really hamper him? Joe, what do you think? I think Darren Till's is going to be on his back for the majority of this fight. I think he gets taken down at will by Tyron Woodley. I think Darren Till is going to get too aggressive. Woodley's just going to take him down and punish him round by round until he's able to finish him off. I think uh, Tyrone Woodley gets a finish in this fight.
0: UFC 228, we do have a live post show and we have live coverage this Saturday night, FightfulMMA.com is the place to be. Of course, Fightful.com has pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. Do not sleep on our boxing coverage. Myself, Carlos Toro, have a Triple G Canelo post-show coming up in a couple of weeks as well. Check that out. We've got all kinds of inside sources. Talking about that fellow who walked out in the middle of his fight, not even at the middle of his fight, at the beginning of his fight. Check that out. And, of course, we have the best best. Wrestling coverage in the world. Make sure you all are following James Lynch. Make sure you all are following Showdown Joe. James Lynch has interviews nonstop, not just for us, but all across the MMA world. Leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, and remember, we're running a contest, a WWE DVD contest. Any comment on a video gets you entered. Make it substantive. (laughs) Man, I'm fumbling (laughs) over my own words today. We're out.